Welcome to the podcast. I am Shane Barker, your host of Shane Barker's Marketing Madness Podcast. Today, my guest, Sandra Clayton, is going to talk about how she managed to build a $6 million business in two years. She's the founder of Conversion Minded, a company that helps entrepreneurs grow their online businesses. She is a writer, designer, and marketer who is passionate about driving growth for smaller businesses. Listeners, she shares her experiences as an entrepreneur and discusses how she tackles various professional challenges throughout her journey. Tell us a little bit. So where did you grow up at? I grew up in Brick, New Jersey. I don't know if you're familiar with the East Coast, but that is, you know, kind of it's become a bigger town now. But back in the day, it was just a small little town, shore town near Point Pleasant. So beach days were the thing where I grew up. It was a lot of fun. Sounds like a rough life out there in the beach life in New Jersey. Mm, (laughs) Man, sign me up for that for a weekend or something. (laughs) I, so this is, and this is, I'm going back into a past life. How far is Lawrenceville, New Jersey from you? Lawrenceville is a ways. That's a little bit of a ways. Yeah. Not quite. It, I would call Brick more like Central South. Uh, yeah. Not quite. It's not even Tom's River yet. So it's not terribly. It's about, I'm in, I'm in New Jersey City right now. So just outside of the city for me to get back down there because I still have family down there. Hour and 15, you know, uh, it's okay. not bad. Well, the only reason I bring that up is because in, in my past life, or my beginning life, I don't know what it would be. I used to open restaurants. And so I opened oh. a restaurant in Lawrenceville, New Jersey, or yeah, Lawrenceville, New Jersey, not my restaurant, but for that point I was doing corporate work. And so we opened up, and actually it was a Chevy's Mexican restaurant, which I'm sure, I think they went bankrupt now. Hopefully not because of me. I thought I did a good job of opening the restaurants. And <laughs> I was the data guy. So if I messed up the data, maybe that's why they closed. But either way, they're not around. But it's, it's interesting. So I was, that's the only thing I know about. Well, I've been to New Jersey and stuff, but at Lawrenceville was, I was there for about two weeks and stuff. And so anyways, it's the only so part of New best. Jersey that I know of. Yeah. But I would, I mean, I feel like Jersey I gets a bad rap. There are a lot of different parts of Jersey. And like right now I happen to be in the industrial part of it. So every time that we, Newark is the airport for us. So every time we're coming over that place, yeah. highway, it's like, oh, look at the garbage pit. <laughs> and then all of a sudden yeah. that and it's like, oh, okay, that's great. Well, and I think people, you know, the perception of it, because people will see on whether it be the media or whether it be shows or, you know, this. And so I think they automatically think that it's that way. I mean, guess that's anything, right? People watch media and watch news and go, oh, that's the way it must be, like whether it's true or not true. And, right. you know, so I think that California gets a bad rap on some stuff. And some people think, like, I, I remember going to, and this is a, once again, many moons ago, going to a church camp. I don't know how I got there. I'm sure they probably told me I couldn't come back after that, but went to a church camp and they were like, oh, you're from California. This was in Colorado. And they're like, oh, you must surf to school. And I was like, (laughs) of course, bro. That's all I do is surf. Like I look at my milky white skin and my red hair. Like I'm I'm a surfer (laughs) for sure. I'm like, I I couldn't tan if I wanted to. Like the sun and I do not get along. I mean, I would love like the idea of the sun, but they were like, yeah, you must surf. And I would tell them, I was like, no, the only reason I don't surf to school is because I can't fit my surfboard in my locker. And they're like, oh, that makes sense. And I was like, yeah, good conversation, guys. I mean, this was probably 25 years ago, but it was kind of cute. People were like, did you, have you seen Pamela Anderson? I'm like, of course. Like, Pamela and I used to be together. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's We're always doing friend. cafes and lunches. Yeah, yeah, she loves me. She loves the fair skinned white guys that don't surf for some reason. Just, she has an epiphany for them. So, one time I was on a plane with a guy and I was going out to California and he was coming from California to New Jersey. So, we were sitting next to each other. And I almost, I was like biting my tongue not to talk about the stereotypes of. Californians. I mean, and he started going right into the stereotypes of the 
East Coast. And I'm like, well, all right, let's have it. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time to have the conversation. I've been waiting, looking for the green light. Well, and I think that's the thing is that it's, you know, they are stereotypes, right? And that's the thing is that I used to joke around with my wife about stereotypes and say, well, you know, but some of them are true. Like, you know, and she goes, no, that's not right. I go, no, but you wouldn't say it's, I mean, I'm saying all Jersey people are this way or all Californians are this way, but there is, there's something to it, right? I mean, there's something behind yeah, that. There's something there, yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your Jersey upbringing, right? It's beautiful Jersey. Like, how big was your family? Did you have a pretty big family growing up? A lot of brothers and sisters? Just you? Yeah, we had two. I have two sisters and two brothers. So it's a decent size. Um, yeah. 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 We had a lot of fun. And we lived on this dirt road. So it was kind of, you know, you could, the, back in the days when you could ride your bike, kids could ride their yeah. bike, and there were all these other friends on the block. and. You know, it was, since it was a dead end, it was like a totally safe environment. So that was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So I'll explain, I don't know how many, how many younger adults that I have. So I'll explain what a bike is. Cause right now I'm trying to think what I could tell them from an iPad perspective, what a bike would be. No, I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. So, <laughs> so these things that we use to actually outdoor activities and stuff like right. that. Right. Actually get up, get out. Yeah. Interact. Yeah. We like call time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just, it's a whole new world. You're like on two wheels, and you're you just, gotta experience <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah. Good luck. Go out there and you know put the iPad down and go no burn a bike or something. Yeah. yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy world. So you had a good sized family there, and then was it was how was the family pretty protective over? Were you younger, older? I was right in the middle, ah. and so it was you know I I was in the middle, and I kind of took on the role of teaching my younger brothers how to, you know, their ABCs and stuff like that. So yeah, I was right in the middle. And one of the things about growing up in my family was that we had, we actually had a nice lot. We had two acre land, right? So we did everything ourselves. So we, we had like the luxuries that other people had, but they were hard earned. Like we were, we made our swimming pool. We made our tennis court. I remember being out there laying the tar down and doing all that stuff. We had this big, huge acre that we would always go, you know, so we would kind of have our own food. So we were kind of self-sufficient to a certain extent growing up. And that was because my father and my mother were entrepreneurs. So they were struggling. And so this is how they were able to, you know, everybody pitched in, everybody got it all together. So we had all that nice stuff, but it wasn't maybe as nice as everyone else's, you know, because I love that. Like to me, it's like there's no better way to appreciate playing tennis than on a court that you like grind out and do. Like, I mean, to me. And it had all of these little creeks. And I mean, it wasn't perfect. There were weeds that were growing between it, but we were out there playing all the time. Some character, some character to it. But I I think, you know, and it's a missing thing. We fight with this with my son. So going to college and he went to a, a private high school. And, you know, in the private high school, all the kids, literally all the kids, oh, for their 16th, got, you know, their BMWs or their Mercedes or their whatever, their Lexus. And, and my son's like, hey, you're going to give us, give me the Lexus. And I'm like, no, I'm not like, no, like, yeah, you got to work for it. But like, I like, I, you know, nobody gave me this car. And so, you know, it's like this. Now, I'm, I didn't tell my son to go make a car, right? Now, maybe that's a whole nother level to it. But I, I do like the idea of like, I mean, you, you have to work for it, right? I mean, I was- appreciate it from a very young no. age. You appreciate it. And no. it, it really makes a difference. It really makes a difference, I think, in your work ethic overall and your appreciation for nice things. I mean, yeah. just, just right there, right? It's not, it's not nothing. Yeah, because you know what it takes to build something like that. Like, that's crazy. I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. We were, I was joking around about this. So yesterday- um, as I was telling you, my son's going off to college for his third year, junior year. And we were talking about last night, my, all my family over for everybody kind of like, you know, Hey, go to college, Hey, we have fun. So we had, you know, some family members over and we were talking about, I remember I was digging ditches 
for a sprinkler system in the back of our house. And it was hard pan, like really, really thick. And I'm like blistered. I'm young. I'm burning. I'm on fire. I'm red once again, like, you know, milky skin. So I'm out there doing this thing. And I remember thinking we're at the end of this and it blisters and all the fun stuff. And my dad's like, so do you want to go to college? And I was like, oh my God, like, I can't wait to go to college. Like, I'm like, tell me more about this college thing. Like, does it mean that we don't have to be we outside? Don't do I don't have anymore. to burn. Right. You don't have blisters on your back from, you know, from my four hours of work out in the blistering yeah. sun. And so yeah. I think that's what catapulted me into college. But my son's doing some stuff now where he does a recycling work. And long story short, yesterday he had a, uh, it was a, like, a, what was it? Uh, heat deprivation, but one of those, he got dehydrated, mm-hmm. thrown up bad deal. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah. yeah. But I looked at it like, and once again, I'm hoping, he's fine now, but I looked at it like, that's kind of not good, but it's like, you're grinding, you're, you're hard working, you know, you got to get out there and do that. You have to really appreciate yeah. what you have in life. Cause he had a job working at a restaurant. He's like, Oh, it's this, it's that. I'm like, I bet you appreciate that air conditioning now when you're inside, right? I mean, you're counting those right, tips right. and stuff. It gives you such a different perspective, right? I mean, it's, it's just reality check real yeah. quick. I just, I, I think we're missing a lot of that. I've, I've already like, I'm already whining on the podcast about kids. They just don't get it. They don't know what bikes are. And I, usually it's not the way that it is, but this is the way I'm feeling right now. So I guess this right. is where we're going. So tell us some interesting fact. I mean, you kind of already did tell us an interesting fact about growing up. I mean, you built tennis courts and pools and all yeah, kinds of stuff. It was crazy. It was crazy. We actually dug the whole pool. We had an in-ground pool and we dug it out and we laid, we, a whole family was around stretching the liner. I mean, it was crazy. But then when you, when we swam in the pool, we were like, this is such an awesome pool because we made it. Yeah. It was actually a really good, really good upbringing. The only thing that I could have done without were the hours and hours spent weeding the garden, picking all the vegetables because, you know, you can't let them sit. So that was like, it was funny because my fr- I would want to play with my friends sometimes and they'd have to come over. So we'd like, you know, we would um, do little skits out in the garden while yeah. we toss the tomatoes at each other and everything. Yeah. So it actually like, you know, it turned into like a fun, it, it was fun and interactive and everybody got involved. So it was pretty cool. I would think, and we're going to talk about your successes of the amazing things that you've done so far in your career. I would think a lot, do you think a lot of that has to do with your upbringing of like, hey, you got to go get it done? Like yeah, we're, yeah. nobody else is... Right. I mean, it's that's that to me, I think not knowing you that well, other than I was chatting a little bit before the podcast, like that of like, hey, you got to go get it. Nobody else is going to hand this to you. Nobody's going to come. Nobody. Yeah, that is definitely. Yeah, definitely. Nobody's handing you anything. If you want it, you got to go. You got to commit to it. You got to do it. I even was I remember being on uh, the swim team. I decided that we had a church right behind us. So We had such a big yard in the back that the field then led right into our church. So. I was always going to that church. I think my parents was a way to get me out of their hair too. So all the kids went to youth group and all the, you know, but I decided then I wanted to join the swim team. And that was the why was a little bit further down than the church. So I started doing it. And like the first two days I was like, man, I want to quit. I can't even, it's so hard. We were doing 50 laps. I couldn't keep up. And they just said, nope, you signed up. You can finish it and then decide that you're not doing it next year. But this year, you know, you commit to what you to what you start and you find your happiness in it. And, you know, it was funny because four weeks into it, I was absolutely in love with it. It was like it wasn't hard anymore. I loved it. Stayed with it. But I think that that's, you know, too often we just kind of quit on things. And I think because they're uncomfortable, because, you know, it's hard at first. No, it's changed. I really got that from a young age that it was like, you're just not allowed to. Once you say yes to something, you're not allowed to stop. And if you want something, you have to work for it, period. 
God, I feel like I need to interview your parents on this podcast. Like, I love that. I seriously, like, I love that. Because we told our son the same thing. It's like, hey, you signed up for it. You're going all the way through. Like, I don't, I mean, unless there's a crazy accident, something happens, but you might not like it right now, but you you committed to it and you committed to a team, right? And so the thing is- you committed to it. And I think with anything, you can find your happiness in it. Like, you can decide- You can come at it from the mindset that you're just going to be all like irritated and kicking pebbles and just, well, poor me. Or you can decide, hey, I'm going to find the beauty in this. I'm going to find the happiness in it. And you do. It might not happen right away, but you do. You find it. It's mindset. It's how you look at things. Right. Because in the beginning, everybody know. I mean, I hate anything that I'm doing in the beginning. Like, you know, it's It's like, oh, this sucks. Nothing that's easy. Because it's brand new, right? And you don't like change. You want it to be the way that it was. I just want to be at the house watching TV or whatever it is, right? right. But it's like, right. then you get into it. And you're like, ah, oh, you know, I kind of find some, there's some, there's some yeah, fun yeah, in this, right? And, bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah, not a bad deal. So where did, did you, did you go to college? I did. I went to Rutgers University. In, uh, Rutgers, look at that. Yeah. So you were, and then what did you study at Rutgers? I studied political science and journalism. Journalism was my major. Which is why, like, I love blogging because it's, you know, I yeah, can write. So, yeah, you're like, I've been trained to do this. This yeah, is what I'm doing well. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so do yeah. you you write? Do you write all your own content for your blog? Yeah, uh, do, I have guest guest posters on. I've taken a lot of lot more contributions lately, but for the most part, it's it's my stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Guest contributions. I, I'm, I'm a fan. I mean, you know, once again, if you, if they good writers, cause then it's yeah. great. You know, it's good content you got to put out there as long as it's good content. Then I think you got to weed them out, but yeah, I think it's, you it's do. Oh, yeah. yeah, you do. It's, it's always the, if I had a dollar for every time somebody pitched me to write for my website, I, I would just retire at this point. I probably exactly. wouldn't have to do anything else, but right. yeah. you know, I'd be able to go off to my little private Island and drink Corona. Don't you love the ones that are just like, we want to submit a guest post for you and let us know if you're interested and we'll give you some topics. And it's like trash. Yeah. It, it, send, it, it me some always... topics, send me some writing samples and then I'll take a look. Yeah. You know? Why do I have to go back and forth with 10 emails? And please don't send me something from a Gmail account okay? yeah. or even a Yahoo or an AOL. Cause then I, I don't even know yeah. what's going on at that point. I've lost full interest. Yeah. It, I it, remember it just the things. other day, somebody, somebody, you know, was following up on one of their pitches and they said, I just want to see if you saw this email. And I scrolled down mm-hmm. and I saw that it was from a guy named Eddie. And then this new one was from Shana. And then I read their links that they had for their writing samples. And it was from, I don't know, Katrina. Sure. And I'm like, yeah. what's your name? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> is right. We're having an identity crisis here. Yeah, We're right, trying to yeah. figure out like, Who yeah, is the it real is. Eddie? Yeah. Yeah. And I always tell them what I'll do is I'll say, Hey, let's do a video call because I know they want to do a video call. Cause it's not John. Right. So I'm right. like, Oh, okay. And they're like, Oh, anyways, I like to have a little fun with them. I, I like to have yeah. fun with, them in telemarketers, they'll call up and I've, I've had, oh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one story. So this is funny. So they called up and there was a telemarketer saying, hey, this is, you know, Wells Fargo or something and saying, hey, we want to do this, want to do that. And I, I didn't even have a Wells Fargo account. And I said, well, hey, this is the thing. I go, how'd you get this phone number? And she goes, what do you mean how? And I go, how'd you get this phone number? Like, I'm a, I'm a federal agent. Like, you're not, you can't, I don't know how you guys wow, got this number. I go, but this is what you need to do. I, said, I go, you can't hang up. And she goes, what do you mean? I said, do not hang up. I said, I'm going to have to send some agents over there. And we're going to have to figure this out on how you got this number. And she goes, I don't know. I'm just sitting, I'm so sorry. And I was like, listen, I'm totally sorry. I'm just messing. I'm just a smart aleck. And she goes, that was not right. And she starts laughing. You know, we got a fun conversation yeah, after that. But and it's not her fault, right? I mean, she's just yeah. she's just doing her job. But I, I figured let's have some fun with it. I my name was Tuan one time, and I told my boyfriend used to beat me. I mean, we I've had some good conversations with folks, and you know, I mean, why if we can't have some fun and laugh at it? I mean, right. why, yeah, not, yeah. why not? Right. So you talk about your family, your your parents being entrepreneurs. Tell us a little bit. Like, I mean, obviously, we've kind of talked about how that's probably catapulted you into the success of the idea of grinding it out, and hey, nobody's going to mm-hmm. hand anything to you. But what did your parents do? Like, what what did they do in the entrepreneurial space? 
right now they had a lot of pivots along the way. So that was one of the things I learned early on. They start my they started out having an Airwick franchise, doing like the little stick ups for the urinals and things like that. Yeah. And, stuff. and then it morphed into like fishing boxes. And then we got into vacuums. And now the latest and one where they've settled on is they do sanding equipment for airlines and you know a lot of government contracts and they do a lot of work on Boeing and stuff like that. So so they're they're in the manufacturing space. And so it's you know it's one of those boring businesses, but also boring in your bank account. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say I know that the only problem with Boeing and some of the bigger companies is you know you don't you last to get paid. Not last, but you know, but once you get paid it's like yeah, okay, right. that's okay. We, we could wait a month or two. I'm okay yeah, with yeah, that. We're good. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> we're good. We're good again. Well, isn't it crazy the journey though? I mean, you're talking about literally from odor eaters for restrooms to now working with Boeing. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things, you know, like when you talk about the journey of being successful and hanging in there, right? You have to, you know, one of the things I talk to my father a lot about business and every time that I talk to him, he's always reinforcing that you got to have staying power. So you have to have, find a way to be fluid, to be flexible, so that you can, you know, pivot to get to the it, to find the it. And that's that's a big thing that I learned is that, you know, when all of these things that we, we perceive as failure are really just your journey telling you that you need to make a left turn here and not that you need to stop, right? So it's just reevaluate, look at the situation, Where's the market? And this is so this I don't know if it's Jersey Girls. So I just talked to I, have a, I, I did a podcast earlier. She's a Jersey Girl as well. And we oh, yeah. talked about failure and foundation and whether you're making a right or a left. Like I like oh, really it, like crazy, like to the point where I'm like, OK, did I just wake up? Did I, I feel like this is like a like Groundhog Day? You know, like did we, I feel like we just talked about this. You look a little different, but talked about this. Yeah. but it's but I love that. I had- with her before I got on. Did you? Hey, you guys are on point because I'm like, let's mess with Shane because I'm like, man, this is like the medication is really kicking in right now because I, I think we already had this conversation before, but but let's just roll with it. So I do. I love that of like the everything is happens for a reason, right? And, and, yeah. and because it is, I think everything's foundational and it's all perspective on how you look at it, right? I mean, I have things that have happened in life and things that you go, wow, that's crazy. Like, how did you make it? And I go, well, I changed my perspective on the way that it was. I'm not saying it was easy and I'm not saying that I changed it the next day. I'm not saying I wasn't pissed about things that have happened or how I was treated or something, you know, I got fired or whatever that is. It's natural. You're going to go through that, right? You're going to go through. You have to, right? You have to, the way I look at through life, you have to get punched in the face, right? You have to have these things that happen in your life because it, it, it builds you into the machine that you are today. Right. And I think that's important for people. And that's what I know with, with my son as an example, you know, sometimes I feel like we're trying to stop the natural thing of life happening. And I, I don't want to stop that. Like he has to have, feel some pressure from this and have some stressors and do this and yeah. do that. It's a, it's a different world. For them. Yeah. And I think the thing that is that sometimes you can Google things and you watch all these YouTube videos and you see people that seem to be just crushing it. And you don't get the whole long journey, you don't get the story of how they got there. And so when you're not crushing it immediately, you feel like you should just, you know, close the door, shut everything down. You're not going to be successful. And I think that's a real missing gap today is having the attention span to be on your own journey, to be focused, head down, doing what you're doing and not allow all those distractions that are here today, you know? Well, and of course, this is a podcast, so people aren't going to see me moving my hands. But what I love, I remember seeing this, there was a, just like a picture or whatever it was, 
talking about the journey, like where you're at and where you're going to be an entrepreneur. And it's not a direct line. It just isn't like don't quit yeah, right. hockey stick. It's this weird up and down up to the plateau. And you got to ride that roller coaster. Yeah, you do. And you have yeah. to, and there's a certain point where if you're not riding that roller coaster, I'd be cautious because it's coming, right? You have to be ready yeah, for that kind of stuff. Especially as yeah. being raised with entrepreneurs, you guys understand things were great at sometimes. You're like, hey, maybe we can have somebody do our pool. And there's other times you're like, guess what? We're going to have to figure we're out how we do next week, right? And, right. You know, yeah. It's those ups and downs of that. I mean, I have, because I'm an entrepreneur, my wife is a nurse. So just recently a nurse, but now we have that stability in the sense that I can have I mean, I have years that are phenomenal that I'm like, God, I'm going to retire. Then I have a year that I'm like, man, I, you know, like I'm, can right. I borrow money for, for tacos this week? Right, you know, right, right. not really, but you know, when it's, it gets to the ups and downs. It's not as stable as somebody who's going, who's doing the nine to five. It just isn't. Yeah. And I think that's important for people to see that the reason why I think a lot of courses potentially can do well is because people sell the dream and people want to, why do seven second ab if I can try to find the three second ab? And I think people are always, not always, yeah. but trying to find shortcakes and like, Hey, at the end of the day, to build that tennis court, there's not a lot of shortcuts, right? I mean, there's little things, but at the end of the day, you have to put in the work. And I think that's what's important. And I think I want to kind of talk about, actually, as we talk about this is because I think the company you have is um, conversion-minded, right? Yes. And so you're talking about like, and I'm sure that talks about foundation and how you do things and like how we talk about getting your mind ready for conversions or getting things in a, in a position to be able to convert, yeah, yeah. whether that be a pivot, whether that be keep going, whether that, whatever that is, like, tell us a little bit about how you started conversion minded and, and like how it all came about. Conversion minded. I started uh, only maybe three years ago and that came about because I was at this kind of crossroads. I knew that I had a design company and I, I wasn't, really thrilled with doing that. I was a really, in terms of, you know, my past businesses that I've had, I really wanted a product-based business. I didn't want a service-based business. So I was at a point where I just was like, what's my next thing? You know, sometimes you're, you're gonna yeah. there. So I actually, I'm a fashion designer. I'm a songwriter. I've had music production studios. I've taught voice lessons and things like that. So I was at this point where I'm like, I know that I want to start a blog, but I don't know what I want to blog about. Um, and I really actually at that point, for, some, for whatever reason, I wanted to just sit back and stop and, and just detach from, you know, sometimes you have thoughts about yourself or ideas about yourself or who you're supposed to be in the world. And I felt like there was just a disconnect for me because in yeah. my family, I was always kind of the creative one. And so there's a lot of pressure on me to be the creative one and to do yeah. things, but not necessarily look at the finances behind it, right? So yeah. I kind of felt like I wanted to step back and I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to have to be that person anymore. So I just wanted to give myself the freedom to be like, who are you now? You know? Yeah. So when I really thought about it, I really love everything that there is about business. That's the common thread for me in everything that I've done. The, you know, launching it, putting it out there, the, the idea of creating something new and seeing it take its own shape. And it's just so, I feel like it's kind of the fabric of our humanity. It's the cornerstone of creativity. So I just decided that that's what I wanted to do. And that is like the next day I started conversion minded. I had so much clarity then that this was my mission. And that's what, you know, that's what I love to do is just help people start their own businesses, experience what that is, get out there, build it, make it successful. And so that's what I try to share over on my blog. Awesome. So that was that aha moment for you. Huh? You said, wait a second, I've got yeah. it. it. The yeah, common, the common thread. 
And so your and so really your services are you know helping people. Is it somebody that just has an idea and a logo, or is it somebody that's already had? At what stage do you look to work with somebody? I like to work with people when they're starting up, but actually most of my clients are people who are already in business and who who have who need to hit a certain you know they're ready to scale or they're hitting walls. Their marketing isn't working. So it's kind of both, but I feel like if somebody is starting out, I'm able to really help them if they have a clear vision. I don't really get involved with trying to figure out what you're doing so much. You know, I feel like it's, I work better with clients who kind of know where they want to go and they want to know the fastest way to get there. And that's where. And so conversion minded is, is more, is that kind of like consulting? I do coaching and I also have products and courses that I sell. So I, I see myself as an educator. Yeah, that makes sense. Is that like the, you have the build my brand toolkit? Is that kind of that funds and runs under the umbrellas of that? Yeah, yeah. I created that because, you know, I feel like we are brands and we're, we're publishing all the time. We're content marketing to put yourself out there and market today. You really do have to have a solid brand. And I think sometimes people don't know everything that's involved in branding. They think it's just your logo. So, you know, I kind of put that together as your branding system. So that would be your, not only your logo and your colors and your visual presence, but, you know, how, what's the application of your logo, all these places that it needs to show up. And then what's your message and your bio. And so really putting it together in terms of how are you positioning yourself online with, through, with everything, everywhere you show up. Well, that's interesting. So and I touched on a little earlier. So I'm working on a course. It's actually how to be an influencer.com is the course and it's to help people be an influencers. But where we're starting with the course is not like, hey, you can, you know, have a pink pool and eat caviar on a jet, right? That's, right. If that's right. your goal, right. then okay, that's awesome. But really, it's the personal branding, like just the basic stuff of like putting a website up and having, you know, quit pitching Nike at cute girl 29, you know, at Gmail, right? Like just basic stuff that, you know, for us as marketers, you know, we think established, right? Start a foundation, right? Start something strong and then you can start building from there. And so that's literally what the course is going to be about. I don't touch on branding as much as I probably should, but maybe that's why I'll send them over to you for the branding side of things. But mine is like, hey, get some stuff going and but make sure you're doing it the right way so you have a good foundation and then you can grow the business from there. So yeah, I think that's very, it's, it's really crucial. And I think that, you know, some people think that they can bypass the website. And whenever I have a client, that's the way that they feel. I'm kind of like, let's work out the website. Not even that you have to create this full-blown website, but you start talking about it with more clarity. You know what you're doing. I mean, it's almost like you're putting a business model together when you're, when you're, you know, creating your website because you're forced to say, okay, who am I? What am I doing? What are the services or products that I have? Yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, otherwise you can't have that conversation with people. So you're really creating the messaging that you're framing your whole brand. Yeah. It's almost like a business plan, kind of. I mean, because you're having to talk yeah. about certain things that maybe you didn't think about, right? Right. So, right. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. So, when it comes to like implementing like a successful business marketing strategy, like is there, I mean, is there like some framework that you work off of or like when you're coming, when, you, when somebody comes to you and says, hey, I want to like, I have an idea, I've got a vision, I've got all this stuff in place. Now I'm just trying to figure out like how I launch. Like what is, is there like a, a framework that you put together or what do you, how do you, how would somebody that, you know, or obviously they can reach out to you, I'm sure through the website and stuff, but what is your, you have in place? The framework is basically to do just that, to build your foundation. If you have that already, then you can move on. And then it becomes a content foundation. What's your content? What are you putting out there? You know, and then during the brand foundation, that's where you really dig into 
what it is that you're doing, right? So if, if you're all good on that, then we move right into the content strategy. How are you going to get visible? What are you publishing? Where are you going to, where are you going to hang your hat? And the types of content that you're going to be creating to attract customers, right? Because that's it, it all starts with that. And then finally, the sales. So we kind of move into, we move from brand to content to the sales strategy, webinars, you know, direct outreach. Where are you going to focus for getting your leads? How are you going to do it? You know, getting more comfortable selling, even when you show up on social media. I think a lot of people are still afraid to actually, you know, what do I post? I have no idea what to post. So, you know, just kind of just get that all together. So it really depends on where you're at. And then, you know, of course, it depends on the business that you have. I have both people who are consultants. I also have people with products. So, I mean, where you're going to market and your marketing strategy can look totally different. But those core, the core steps, you know, are there, right? You have to, you have to have all of these three in place. And obviously, you're good at building these, putting these frameworks in place and helping people because you built your business, what, to six million in two years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go, sister. God, you can go. You should smile about that one. That's, that's <laughs> a healthy little number right there. So how did you, I mean, how did you put something together like that? I mean, in, in two years, first of all, like, how do you have a team? How big's your team? And then what did you do to be able to produce $6 million in revenue? I'm assuming you have different revenue streams, right? It's probably not just one revenue stream. So you have probably courses and consulting and stuff. Kind of break that down a little bit on how big your team is and how what your revenue streams are. Well, the $6 million business that I built is not the current one. So that is one that I sold. So that is that was a temporary tattoo business. Temporary? That sounds pretty permanent to me, man. $6 <laughs> That's good. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So with that, that was... It was really just me and, and my partner. And we just came up with the idea to do it. And we... Found, we figured out how to actually make them, and then we found distributors for them, and we just kind of kept going from there. So that that was a wholesale, you know, product that we put out there. And so we, you know, we would contact big chains and get them into big chains and things like that. So, so you guys are like the gateway to real tattoos. You guys are like that gateway, like marijuana. Yeah, I'm not like a permanent kind of girl. So for me, gotcha. Great tattoos. And I think the big thing with that business was that I think with every business, you really have to have product market fit. And I think a lot of people don't realize that when you go out, but I think that that was just a perfect impulse item. You know, that's a big reason that worked. It wasn't expensive. And even, you know, I think even when creating digital products and courses, like don't forget about, I think we call them all tripwires, right? But that's really an impulse product. And it's so easy for people to buy those, right? So that that was kind of the strategy there. Make it really affordable. Make it something that would be on the shelf in stores on the, at the counter and very visible. Yeah, and good profit margins, right? I yeah, mean, that's good obviously, profit right? margins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I can't imagine it doesn't cost too much to produce those, but putting that all together and going out to, you know, probably the Spencers of the world and these different, you know, right. targets or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, the manufacturing yeah. size is interesting. That's awesome. Congratulations on that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So what, like in regards to not only the $6 million business that you built in two years, but also the current business you have, like what are some of the biggest challenges that like maybe your clients or you have faced? Like what are some of the things that, that you've seen either yourself personally or your clients? You're like, these are usually the points where people quit or this is, you know, this is when it starts to get, I mean, because obviously when it starts to get hard, because it's always going to get hard. There's always a point in, in the relationship or in the business yeah, where yeah. You know, there's going to be challenges. 
But is there any certain area that you see, this is where I see most people quit or, or tell us about your personal challenges in your business? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. I think that the biggest challenge, I think, with business, first of all, you have to set the right goals, right? I think so many times we have these big, big, huge goals and we don't break them down. We don't have like clear objectives. And I think that the other thing is that you have to have the right resources for your business. Like, so if you, you know, don't, I always say don't start a business unless until you analyze it, until you do that business plan, because if you don't have the right resources, either monetarily, or if you're, you know, you're constantly selling yourself, it's going to be very hard to scale. So I think that those are the places that I see people that I've experienced it, where you're stuck at a point where you can't get beyond because of you're not streamlining what you're doing. You're not finding ways to have other people do it for you. You're not building out that team. So I think it's just, you have to be realistic about your resources for your business. If you don't have what you're going to need, either that's not the business for you to start, or you got to find the resources, right? So just being very pragmatic about that. And then I think also, you know, the product market fit is a huge thing. And it's such, it's such a, it can be so challenging. And I'll give you an example of that. I'm working right now on another business with my brother and we have been, it's a nutrition product, and we, we started it to help people lower their blood pressure, lower their blood sugar and cholesterol you know, on their own without having to take pills and medication. Yeah. And we have been going, we have been on that roller coaster of who is the audience for this? Who are we marketing it to? And we just, it's seen so many different transformations until finally we landed on it. So finally we, we realized through just kind of persevering and hanging in there with it, that this is a patient education thing for doctors. It's an interactive patient education tool. And all this time we had the same product, but we weren't really marketing it the right way to the right people. We were trying to market it as a consumer. We knew we didn't want to be in the nutrition space and just get lost in the shuffle. We wanted to really have um, some differentiation and so it's, but it's been a real challenge because we always had this mismatch either in the messaging or, you know, we weren't targeting the right people. We were targeting people who we thought were older. It turns out it's a younger audience. Turns out doctors are the ones who really want this thing. So we always had a lot of faith in the product just because it's kind of a mission of ours to have to yeah. people be healthy. Yeah. But there's so many points along there where you can quit because it's taken us now three years on that one to even figure out what it is. But you know, when you know what it is, once you hit that sweet spot, it's like a hockey stick. Everything, like all of a sudden, your marketing is so easy. You're, you know, it's, you don't have all of these struggles because you've already laid the groundwork and you have something that people want. You have something you've identified the market. You have something people want. So I think that's the biggest challenge. When people come to me and they have, you know, I see their websites and they just kind of look like these these car sales people and they're just kind of like crazy with what. Oh, I came up with this because. I came up with another, you know, pad or whatever it is, because somebody said that would be a good idea. And I came up with this too, because it's like, there has to be an underarching mission and strategy behind what you're doing, because that's what's going to guide you through all of these little, you know, peaks and valleys that you're going to hit. And it comes down to, you already touched on those goals, right? It's like figuring out really what you want to do, what your mission is, and then really right. sticking to that. And if you don't have if you're not solid with that, then you're going to get blown by the waters, right? You're going to get, you're going to yeah. Yeah. Because you don't even know what you want. I mean, it's, it's no different than, I mean, it's no different like dating. Like if you just got to have you know, a 10 year relationship a week ago, probably not a great time to date. Like you still got to figure out yourself and what you're at, what's going on. You just, you, you have to, it, there's some soul searching, some stuff that needs to happen there, right? You can't, it's hard. And I get that a lot where people want to pitch me on products or ideas or something. And it's like, man, you're still all over the place. 
right? Like you've got to hone it down. And we really did. You do, you do have to, that whole thing where you can't be everything to every person, right? I mean, we all want to be so afraid that we're going to miss a sale. We're going to miss somebody. We're going to turn somebody off. We want to get those clients and customers. But I think that, you know, and what we did in this case is we just locked on to this is our mission. We know that it's a huge market. We had to analyze the market. So when you have your numbers and you have your data and you just, you know, you really believe in what you're doing, that's going to that's going to ground you and it's going to keep you through those, you know, those late nights where it's not easy to work on what you're doing. You got to change it again because you're still you're pivoting to get that product market fit. You know what I remind people too is that, you know what, if it was easy, everyone would do it. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Yeah. I mean, it really is what it comes down to because it's like the only thing I can promise you is that there's going to be points where you're like, what the hell am I doing? Why am I doing this? I'm confused again. But if you can go back to your values, you can go back to your vision, you can go back to this kind of stuff and say, okay, I'm doing this. Maybe not necessarily for me, but I want to lower people's cholesterol or I want to, there's a bigger thing here that I think there could make a bigger impact money being one of those potentially, but maybe it's also that the mission of giving back or whatever that is. I think that's important to to really understand what that is so that you can, you know, tap back into that. I go, okay. Oh, okay. I read my vision again. Okay. That's why, because it's not about me, you know, right. It's about, there can be a bigger, a bigger, I guess, a bigger goal in mind or a bigger, you know, you know, things that you need to put in place for things to be successful and know that it's not just all about you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So how many, because I think you have a sickness like I do, and I'm saying this in the most respectful way possible. How many businesses are you running right now? Uh, three. three. I think you're lying. I think you have four or five. I think you're just <laughs> holding back for the podcast because you didn't want to make it seem like you have five businesses right now. Just be honest. I'll look it up. I will call you out later. Right, we'll, talk later. we'll talk later. Okay. Now we're being honest. That's it. it. I just, I knew I just I always question. multitask, so I don't I know. <laughs> I'm not with you. I'm with you. You and I are going to just talk back and forth. Can I can't tell you. Yeah. It's, I've got like a wholesale real estate company here in Sacramento. I've, I mean, I've got so many things. I forget, and this is how, this is the sickness that I have, but I do have a big team. I have a 35 person team, so we can kind of move and get some stuff yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. But th- my sickness is, is like, people say, what do you do? And I'm like, Oh, that's a great question. They're like, you don't know what you do? And I'm like, who am I talking so to? So here's the deal. Yeah, I'm like, are we talking to Shane, this guy Shane, or the real estate Shane? Or are we talking to entrepreneur Shane, speaker Shane? Or are we talking to the instructor at UCLA Shane? And I'm like, I literally tell people, oh, that's right, I do that too. And they're like, how did you not remember that you're an instructor at UCLA? And I'm like, well, I, because I do some other stuff too. And they're like, are you on medicine? I'm like, I probably should be. I mean, probably heavy doses of it, but I just haven't found the right mix yet. But that's a that's nothing we need to talk about today. But um, it's that A type personality, right? It yeah. is. It yeah. is. I. I mean, I have to. And my thing is, is you said I used to have a terrible work life balance. I used to work eighteen hours a day. It was just a, I was thirty pounds heavier, not in a good space. I was, you know, doing all kinds yeah. of bad stuff of you know, energy drinks and all that. Now I work out, and you know, I got a way better system in place. But you know, it, it takes sometimes. You got to, you know, once again those. And delegation and all this stuff that you know that you you learn. I mean, if Sometimes I didn't go through that, to know what to delegate, right? Like, what yeah. Well, what, what the only guarantee with delegation most of the time is they're not going to do exactly the way that you want it, and that's okay. But that's the problem is that people go, oh, if I delegate to this person, but then I'm just going to have to maybe redo some of it. Yeah, but if they do eighty percent of it correct, or if you train them, or you have a better process yeah. of training them, so they know exactly how you like things done. This, these days it's easy. Like with video and there's just, I mean, I can go and tell somebody from my team, Hey guys on this, I really like this changes, do this, do that, da, 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 and I can send them a two minute video 
and it'll yeah. take me two minutes to create it. Videos and I'm done. So helpful. Yeah. That's oh, I love it. I have, I have video trainings for everything already all lined up. Beautiful. Yeah. Cause then yeah. you can, you can this plug it into anybody. It. Yeah. It's for me back in the day, it was like, I'm writing an email and I'm pointing arrows and doing this and doing that. And, and then I'd read the, I'd read it in the morning and I'm like, I don't even know what I wrote. How would I expect anybody else to understand that? Like, it's like hieroglyphics and I'm like, were you drunk? Or like, mm-hmm. I, you know, and I'm pretty sure I wasn't like, you know, most of the time, yeah, I know. So, you know, it's like this weird deal, but video is like, so I use, now. it's so easy. So what, and I'm going to ask you this. So are there, are there like three softwares or tools that you use? And we're going to say video. Is there any specific video software that you use? I use ScreenFlow to record those types of quick tutorials. I use that all the time. I also use Loom to to do some quick recordings. I really love ScreenFlow because I use it for my courses and everything. So that's kind of uh, a one, two, three for me now. So I yeah. just pop it open and use that. That's like super quick. Record all of it. I've used ScreenFlow on occasion, but Loom for me, because it's for my course, I'm doing something different, but Loom is like so easy. And I probably have 900 Loom videos. Like, I'm not kidding you. Like I was one of the early people that started using it and, and I've kind of evolved with it. And it's just so easy. Like I'm probably an abuser. Like I'm probably the reason they're going to go out of business. Like their server (laughs) space is going to be too much because they're like, somebody's producing way too many videos for the $60 a month they charge me or whatever, whatever the number is. But I do love it. Like, you know, just uh, anyways, I just, I'm a huge fan of it just with anything and everything. It just makes things so much easier. Cause I'm, you know, with writing emails, it takes me a half an hour and I've got ADHD and I'm like, you know, this is so much easier just to talk and God knows I can talk and just won't ever stop. But, um, so, okay, you've got videos, you've got, um, ScreenFlow and then we have Loom. What are some other softwares? Any other softwares like you can't live without? Oh, definitely easy webinar for webinars. I, I yeah. totally, I love them. They're great. Their customer service is amazing. So anytime, you know, you have an issue, they're right there with you. They'll get on, they'll get on a chat with you and help you solve it. So those guys are great. And the other thing, believe it or not, is Google Docs. I mean, I use that yeah. thing for everything. I just, I just found the, um, I just heard about anyway, um, the, that you have the ability to take forms and translate them or convert them directly into slides. I mean, it just, the automation there is like crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah. Google's got a few people, a few engineers and stuff that put some stuff yeah, together. They're, they're not too bad. Last time I checked. Yeah. We use, we're, I mean, I'm definitely a Google doc abuser. Like I, I feel also with, I think their probably servers are going to be okay with what we're doing, but it is, we, you know, we're so tied into that whole thing of, you know, I mean, I have, I've, I've hundreds of Google Docs. Like yeah. I can't even find them half the time. I got, I got to, I got to label these a little better. You have to right? start really looking through them. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. you do. Yeah. And you're like, you can't just put Shane's doc, you know, Shane's Google doc. Like, no, that doesn't work anywhere. We got to, we got to be a little more specific. Yeah. That's funny. So what about, so if we had a chance to like, if there was a, like when you talked about aspiring entrepreneurs, like if there was like one piece of advice, I know we've kind of talked about like, Hey, it's going to be a hard journey. You're going to get punched in the face a few times. Don't expect, you know, you're going to have to probably pivot, (laughs) right? Like, yeah, yeah, let's go. Right. But is there any other piece of advice that you can think about that you would think, God, I think every entrepreneur needs to realize is blank. I think the thing that every entrepreneur needs to realize is first of all, you can do it. You can definitely do it. Okay. So like, that's, that's the first thing. I think sometimes we don't have the confidence that we can do it. You can do it to be very, very, I think the biggest thing with entrepreneurship is that you do have to have that staying power. You do have to, you know, you want to make sure that you have a certain amount of money. So I mean, you have to be able to live, right? So, you know, to find that point where you jump from your nine to five 
to your, to your, you know, real business, right? That point has got to be some, at some point where you feel like you're getting traction. You're starting to see that this could be something that's, you know, that's the point where you kind of make that leap so that you're not just out there, you know, in the ocean kind of falling by the wayside. But I think the big thing with entrepreneurship is that, especially when you compare it to leaving like nine to five, where everything is so structured and everything, you know, you have these status meetings and everybody is kind of, you know, you have accountability is that somehow you have to recreate that accountability. You can't wake yeah. up every, every day and be like, well, uh, you know, I can just watch TV all day. Cause I don't know. Yeah. You got to kick your own you ass. Have, right? You have to be that, you know, you have yeah. to be the status meeting. You have to be the team, you know, so you have to kind of really get some structure to your day where you're doing the same thing every day. You're getting, you know, you have a routine cause that's what, you know, you're losing out when you, when you leave the office, right? You go in and you get your coffee, you sit down at your desk and you open your email, right? So like, what is that new routine for you and stick with it and create that routine. That's going to, I think that's going to help you lock onto it more than, you know, anything else. Agreed. I think, I think routine is so, have you ever read, what is it? The, oh my God, the morning, oh, it's some about morning routines or something. I have the book somewhere. Anyways, it, what it talks about is the routine that you do in the morning when you're getting ready for your day. So my routine I used to be once again up late all night and up somewhat early in the morning. I mean, early, like, you know, six o'clock. I actually get up around five, five thirty now and I walk. People probably think I'm on meth or in some kind of drug or something, but I just walk frivolously, like just the neighborhoods and go downtown Sacramento and go all over. And I do it for about 12 miles a day. Um, That's great. But it's just early, early. But it's also, you know, it's also me with my team on Slack and doing this and doing that. So I'm getting stuff done. I have meetings while I'm, yeah, while I'm on there, while I'm walking. You know, of course, I'm breathing a little heavy. And the first one is probably super awkward for everybody on the call. They're like, why are you breathing so heavy on a Friday morning? And I'm like, that's just what I do. I get super passionate. I'm like, no, I'm walking, you know, like just so you guys know. But I do think (laughs) that that routine of like, you know, because then you get in that regimen of like, hey, this is, this is how I start my day. This, this is, is what your day is like. And yeah. This is, and it's oh, important yeah. because if you don't, it's very easy to get off target instantly. Jump oh, on Facebook, yeah. jump on this, do this, do that. And not Even really be in that mindset. Manage the, day, manage the times that you are on social media. You know, that should yeah. be your least productive time. So even though you might feel like, oh, you know, you know how it is when you're, when you're kind of diving into like a, something new, that's when you want to be most distracted because you don't want to learn this new thing or you don't want to like, you know, it's like, oh, I got to think about another thing. Let me just go log into Facebook real quick or let me just. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think really, really just there are specific times that you're online and then you shut it down and you get your deep work done. I do that too. In the morning I get, I take a half an hour and I get my little menial tasks out of the way. If I have to check in with my team or I have to email someone back, I'll take care of that. But then that's it. And then I block out, I seriously block out, you know, the bulk of my day for any deep work that I need to do. And then I'm a workout at night person. So then I go and I'll, I'll work out at night. But, you know, whatever it is that works for you, that is irrelevant, right? Yeah. Just developing that pattern and that habit and not letting things interfere with it. When you block out that time that you're working on something, lock it down, you know? That's the key. That the key is blocking out time because once again, you can get sidetracked by everything and anything, right? And, and even blocking it out isn't going to be perfect. But right. then, you know, this is like you say, what you're, when you call your deep think, your deep, you know, the deep process work or whatever you got going on there where you have to like focus and not have kids around or anything like that. But I think just structuring that and then that gives you a better idea on what's going to, so your day's structured, right? So you have some structure to it. It's not going to, it's going to deviate, but it's still, at least you know, this is 80% or 90% of my day is going to be this and I'll feel productive by the end of the day if I get that done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, absolutely. Are there any marketers or any like entrepreneurs or anybody that you're inspired by that like you follow on social media or you engage with or anything? Uh, yeah, 
I think, you know, in terms of following people, I do that a little bit less these days just because, um, you know, kind of knee deep in what I'm doing. But I definitely there. I mean, I love Kat Sullivan over at Marketing Solved. I love Amy Porterfield. I'm really a big fan of Brian Dean. I think he's uh, all of his SEO tips are just amazing. Yeah, backlinko. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also Rebecca Radice, you know, a lot <laughs> of social media people. Yeah. Awesome. 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 So what would, I mean, are there any like cool projects you're working on? I mean, other than your 19 businesses that you have that I think once again, I think you kind of, you kind of held back on me a little bit, which is okay. Yeah, I I could tell. We're going to probably text each other all night. I can can imagine at this point, like I have 19 businesses. You were right, Shane. Right. Yeah, you're right. I just counted them. Exactly. And I had to use my toes. You do the math on that. Yeah, exactly. I can't count that high. So I had to hire somebody else to bring their fingers over it. I get it. I've been there. I'm, I'm there right now. Any other cool projects you got? I mean, other that are business or personal, any other fun stuff that are you just knee deep in your current projects? I'm knee deep in this. And my big thing right now is definitely the the coaching, the one-on-one yeah. coaching that I'm super excited about. I'm loving it. I, I, I have three month and six month packages and I'm just really, really embracing that right now. I, I held off on doing one-on-one coaching for a while, mm-hmm. but now I'm really super excited about it. I just, I love the impact and I love, you know, seeing people working with them one-on-one to get those results is just super inspiring. So that's my, that's my big pet project right now. Well, and it's kind of nice because then you can see like when you're talking one-on-one, you can be very specific to their needs. When you do a course, yeah. which is not bad, it's very general. You don't get Yeah, that. right. You, you don't. know, and a lot of times people need that, you know, you just need a little bit of guidance in this one direction. Everything isn't a one size fits all. So I, I'm really loving that. And, and also you just, the, the results are so much quicker, right? It's like, you yeah. know, this tech, let me see it. Let's just get in there. Let's figure it out. Move on. You know, you bang through stuff. Do you have for your courses or any certain platform to use like Kajabi or? I use Teachable. Teachable. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I love Teachable. Yep. Cool. And then what about, so let's, if you're, what are your favorite things to do when you're not working? So I'm, I should probably define to you what not working yeah, is. That would be the time when you're not working. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, for that 16 minutes <laughs> right before you go to sleep and the half an hour when you're drinking your coffee. So those 14 I'm big, seconds. I'm a big runner. I'm a, a big, big runner. runner. I just signed up for my first half marathon. I'm not ready for a full marathon yet. I did also, uh, I did the Spartan race, the Spartan beast. Out ah, nice. Diego, so I'm super thrilled. So my big thing right now is working out and running and just, I love to feel my body. I love to feel that I'm not just sitting in a chair for hours and hours and hours. Like Yes. But stagnant yeah. life. <laughs> yeah. I used to work for Spartan. So I've, I've been to quite, we went to the really? one in Tahoe. Wow. Yeah. For the Spartan, awesome. the big one they had in Tahoe. And I had a buddy of mine that was like, Oh, I got this barely trained. It was a smoker. I didn't know he was a smoker, but and we were, he was, oh, uh, we were do? working together. Whoa. He almost died. I mean, that yeah, like literally almost, died. I mean, it's like yes. you're going up the side of a damn mountain. Like there's not yeah. even an elevator. Like it's literally straight up this thing. You know, halfway through it, I was just like, what are we all doing? And I mean, everybody was thinking the same thing. You could tell. Oh, yeah. Down on the mountain. I'm like, why are we doing this? But you know what? You're the one who signed up for it. <laughs> it took him seven and a half hours. I thought he was dead. Like I was like, can I file a missing person report? Like, no, we got to wait at least 24 hours. I'm like, no, I don't think he's going to make yeah, it. They're like, yeah. we get this a lot. And he wasn't that good of a friend. So I wasn't that worried. Right? I mean, he wasn't like a, my mom or something, but it, it's like, it's a crazy it's no deal. Joke. I'm like, no dude, he yeah. came down. And I was like, what is going on? I go, you're a, do you? And then he's like, anyways, he's a smoker. And I thought I had trained for it. And I'm like, no, you can just 
triple the training that you're doing for the next one. Cause that's like, well, and Tahoe is another variable. Like you're going straight. It's like the, the elevation of it is like, you're not even ready. For, like I had a hard yeah. time breathing yeah. when I was taking. Oh yeah. Forget about the altitude sickness, right? Like that. You don't, oh. even, you don't even think about that factoring in. I actually He's- I was like, I'm going to throw up. I feel dizzy. I'm like, I just nauseous. <laughs> I wish, I wish I had a picture of this. He said he cramped up and fell down. Like, like and he like went down. And then one of our friends, Dennis, was with him. He's like, Bud, you okay? And he's like, couldn't he could barely talk? He was all cramped up like a like a like a dinosaur before it died. I mean, just and I wish I had pictures of all this because I would <laughs> buy it back from me and I could make all tons of money from that. Right, but he but he survived. He survived. So shout out to the guys over there. I mean, I'm glad they they survived oh, wow. just barely. So. Tell us, I'm trying to think here. I want, there's probably another question I want to ask you, but tell us one random fact that people don't know about you. So you're a runner. Is there anything that, that people would go, wait, Sandra, what? we had no idea. Like, are you, you know, do you secretly fence for the Olympic team or something? I mean, is there anything like, were you all pretty open and out there? Um, well, what people probably don't know is that I, I was the first Pro Tools HD user when that came out. I'm, I'm like... I had a big music recording studio in the Lower East Side in Manhattan. I had all of these Neve consoles. I had drum, tr- drum, drums. And I had, I mean, I remember walking into Sam Ash and walking out literally with $20,000 worth of gear, poking out of my car, like all these keyboards. Like You're like the living a life. And then I was like, what do I do with all this? And that's pretty much the way I jump into things. So, you know, that, that took up a, a huge part of my, uh, fun time. So. so what was your, what was your genre? Like what kind of music did you do? R&B, man. R&B. R&B. That was it. Huh? R&B. Yeah. I like those the beats, a little bit of funk in there, you know, but that's, that's my thing. Yeah. Do you still do a little music or what? I do do music. I have my songs, uh, you know, I just am trying to figure out where to get them, but you know, I keep, I listen to them. I'm like, Let's go. Let's get it out there. I could tell. I mean, people, this is a podcast. Nobody could see you kind of get down, but I saw you started talking about R&B and your head started bobbing. And I was like, oh, somebody's somebody's ready. I know somebody <laughs> listens to when she runs. I do. Trust me. I hear the, the 808 kicking right now. I'm, I, you I, I got to go. Oh, you know, yeah. I, I used to have a record label. Not oh, any wow. by any means. So I... That's why we I'm get along so well. Somewhat familiar with the music industry, but I, I I appreciate people that are on the creative side of things and that create music because I think that's awesome. Yeah. I never really had an ear for. I mean, an ear I thought was good music, but I could I never jumped in. I really wish I would have done some kind of producer, an engineer, or something on the back end because I do really enjoy music. I'm a huge fan. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. well, cool. So let's. This has been an awesome interview. Once yeah, again, you're you're an absolute dive. Once again, I know that I think we could probably talk we're like two days more. Yeah, we're probably going to be BFFs or something. Maybe even friends on Facebook. I mean, that close. Right. Oh my goodness. I know. Yeah, I know it's a commitment. <laughs> I didn't want to. I I wanted to tell you at the end of the podcast because the beginning you'd have been like, "This guy's yeah, a stalker." Yeah. yeah, but now that we're like super comfortable. Oh, yeah. um, if people need to get in contact with you, if they want to find out more about your courses and your the personal, the coaching you've got going on, where can they find out everything about you? Uh, they can email me at Sandra at conversionminded.com. They can also hit me up on Instagram at Sandra J. Clayton. Those are probably the best places. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Sandra, this was an awesome interview. You got a great, great energy about you. This has been fun yeah, for sure. Fun. I had a ton of fun. And I'm going to have yeah. you online soon. So. I can't wait. We'll see if I'm a success story from the guy that like, Hey, don't do what Shane did. He did these 47 (laughs) things wrong. Don't do that. You're going to have to send me those car shots. Are you not, you know, (laughs) it. I'll be in the car. I'm going to send you a picture. Be like, Hey, look, I need to borrow some money. Like, Hey, send me some money. So, um, well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. 
Oh yeah, thank you so much too. I had tons of fun. All right, bye-bye. Okay.